chapter four part two of the mysteries of paris volume six by eugene sue this librivox recording is in the public domain the hospital part two dr griffon then throwing off the bedclothes nearly denuded poor jeanne it would be repugnant to describe the struggle of the unfortunate creature who in her shame implored the doctor and his auditory but at the threat you will be turned out of the hospital if you do not submit to the established usages a threat so terrible for those to whom the hospital is the sole and last refuge jeanne submitted to a public scrutiny which lasted a long time very long for dr griffon analyzed and explained every symptom and then the most studious of the pupils declared their wish to unite practice with theory and also examine the patient the end of this scene was that poor jeanne felt such extreme emotion that she fell into a nervous crisis for which dr griffon gave an extra prescription the round continued and the doctor soon reached the bed of mademoiselle claire de fermont a victim like her mother to the cupidity of jacques ferrand mademoiselle de fermont dressed in a cap of the hospital was leaning her head languidly on the bolster of the bed in spite of the ravages of her malady there might be detected on her open and sweet countenance the traces of a beauty full of distinction after a night of keen anguish the poor girl had fallen into a kind of feverish stupor and when the doctor and his scientific train entered the ward she was not aroused by the noise another first subject gentlemen said the prince of science disease a slow nervous fever if the receiving surgeon is not mistaken in the symptoms this is a real godsend for a long time i have desired a slow nervous fever for that is not an ordinary complaint amongst the poor these affections are usually produced after severe trouble in the social position of the subject and i need hardly add that the higher the position of the patient the more deep is the disease it is moreover a complaint the more remarkable from its peculiar characteristics it is traced to the very remotest antiquity and the writings of hippocrates have no doubt reference to it this fever i repeat has almost always been produced from the most violent grief and grief is as old as the world yet strange to say before the eighteenth century this disease was never accurately described by any author it was huxham whom the science of medicine of the age so highly honours huxham i say who first defined accurately nervous fever and yet it is a malady of the olden time added the doctor jocosely hey 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 it belongs to the great antique and illustrious family of febri whose origin is lost in the darkness of ages but we may be rejoicing too soon let us see if really we have the good fortune to possess here a sample of this curious affection it would be doubly desirable inasmuch as for a very long time i have been anxious to try the effect of the internal use of phosphorus yes gentlemen continued the doctor hearing amongst his auditory a kind of shudder of curiosity yes gentlemen of phosphorus it is a singular experiment that i wish to try and a bold one and but audas fortuna juvat and the opportunity would be excellent we will first try if the subject offers in all parts of the body and particularly in the chest that miliary eruption so symptomatic according to huxham and you will assure yourselves by feeling the subject of the kind of uneven surface which this eruption produces but do not let us sell the skin of our bear before we have killed it added the prince of science who was decidedly in very high spirits and he shook mademoiselle de fermont's shoulder very gently in order to wake her 
the young girl started and opened her large eyes hollowed by the malady it is impossible to describe her amaze and alarm whilst a crowd of men surrounded her bed all fixing their eyes upon her she felt the doctor's hand gliding under the quilt into her bed in order to take her hand and feel her pulse mademoiselle de fermont collecting all her strength in a cry of anguish exclaimed mother help mother mother by an almost providential chance at the moment when the cries of mademoiselle de fermont made the old count de saint-remy spring from his chair for he recognized the voice the door of the apartment opened and a young lady dressed in mourning entered very hastily accompanied by the governor of the hospital this lady was the marquise d'harville i beg of you sir she said to him to lead me to mademoiselle de fermont be so kind as to follow me he replied respectfully the young lady is in number seventeen unhappy girl here here said madame d'harville drying her tears ah this is really frightful the marquise preceded by the governor rapidly approached the group assembled beside the bed of mademoiselle de fermont when they heard these words uttered with indignation i tell you it is infamous murder you will kill her sir but my dear saint-remy do pray hear me i repeat sir that your conduct is atrocious i consider mademoiselle de fermont as my daughter and i forbid you going near her i will have her immediately removed hence but my dear friend it is a case of slow nervous fever very rare i am desirous of trying phosphorus it is a unique occasion promise me at least that i shall have the care of her and take her where you like since you are determined to deprive us of so valuable a clinical subject if you were not a madman you would be a monster replied the count clemence listened to these words with increasing anguish but the crowd was so dense around the bed that the governor was obliged to say in a loud voice make way if you please for the marquise d'harville who has come to see number seventeen at these words the pupils made way with equal haste and respectful admiration when they saw clemence's lovely face which was radiant with so much emotion madame d'harville exclaimed the count de saint-remy pushing the door rudely aside and going hastily towards clemence ah it is god who sends one of his angels here madame i knew you took an interest in these two unfortunate beings and more happy than me you have found them whilst it was chance only that led me hither to be present at a scene of unparalleled barbarity unhappy child see madame and you gentlemen in the name of your sisters and daughters have pity i entreat on a girl of sixteen and leave her alone with madame and these good sisters when she recovers her senses i will have her conveyed hence very well let it be so i will sign her discharge exclaimed the doctor but i will not lose sight of her she is a subject of mine and i will attend her do what you will i'll not risk the phosphorus i promise that but i will pass my nights if needs be as i pass them with you ungrateful saint-remy for this fever is as curious as yours was they are two sisters who have an equal right to my interest confound the man why has he so much science said the count knowing that he could not confide the young girl to more able hands hey it is simple enough said the doctor in a whisper i have a great deal of science because i study because i experimentalize because i risk and practice a great deal on my subjects 
and so old fellow i shall still have my slow nervous fever eh yes but is it safe to move this young girl certainly then for the love of heaven disappear with your train come gentlemen said the prince of science we shall be deprived of a precious study but i will make my reports on it to you and dr griffon with his suite continued his round leaving m de saint-remy and madame d'harville with mademoiselle de fermont during this scene mademoiselle de fermont still in a swoon had been attended to by clemence and the two nuns saint-remy said in a low tone to clemence and the mother of this unhappy girl madame the marchioness replied in a voice deeply affected she has no longer a mother sir i learnt yesterday only on my return the address of madame de fermont and her dying condition at one o'clock in the morning i went to her with a medical man ah sir what a fiction it was misery in all its horror and no hope of saving the poor mother whose last words were my daughter what a death good heaven and she so tender so devoted a mother it is frightful i will watch her until she can be moved said clemence and when she can be removed i will take her with me ah madame bless you for what you say and do said m de saint-remy but excuse me for not having before mentioned my name to you i am the comte de saint-remy madame de fermont's husband was my most intimate friend i live at angers and left that city from uneasiness at not receiving any news of these two noble and excellent women they had until then lived in that city and were said to be completely ruined which was the more terrible as until then they had lived in ease and plenty ah sir you do not know all madame de fermont was shamefully robbed by her notary perhaps i had my suspicions that man was a monster sir alas that was not the only crime he committed but fortunately said clemence with excitement as she thought of rodolph a providential genius had compelled him to do justice and i was unable to close madame de fermont's eyes assuring her as to the future provision for her daughter thus her death was rendered less cruel i understand knowing her daughter to have your support henceforth my poor friend died more tranquil not only is my interest excited for ever towards mademoiselle de fermont but her fortune will be restored to her her fortune the notary has been compelled to refund the money this man had caused the assassination of madame de fermont's brother in order to make it appear that the unhappy man had committed suicide after having dissipated his sister's fortune but he has now placed the sum in the hands of the worthy cure of bonne nouvelle and it will be given to mademoiselle de fermont the infamous wretch has committed another murder equally infamous what mean you madame but a few days since he got rid of an unfortunate young girl whom he had an interest in drowning assured that her death would be attributed to accident m de saint-remy started looked at madame d'harville with surprise as he recollected fleur-de-marie and exclaimed ah madame what a singular coincidence this young girl they sought to drown in the seine near asnières as i am told tis she tis she cried saint-remy of whom do you speak sir of the young girl whom this monster sought to drown do you know her madame poor dear i love her tenderly 
and if you knew sir how lovely how prepossessing she was but tell me what you mean dr griffon and i gave her the first assistance first assistance to her and in what way at the ile du ravageur where she was saved saved fleur de marie saved by a worthy creature who at the risk of her life saved her from the seine but what ails you madame ah sir i fear to believe in such good fortune but i pray of you tell me what is the appearance of this young girl singularly beautiful large blue eyes light brown hair yes madame and when she was drowned there was an elderly woman with her it was only yesterday she was well enough to speak and she is still very weak she said an elderly woman accompanied her praised be heaven said clemence clasping her hands with fervour i can now tell him that his protege still lives what a joy for him who in his last letter spoke to me of this poor child with such bitter regrets excuse me sir but you know not how happy your intelligence renders me and will make a person who more than myself has loved and protected fleur de marie but for mercy's sake tell me where is she at this moment near asnières in the house of one of the surgeons of this hospital dr griffon she was taken there and has had every attention and is she out of danger yes madame but only during the last two or three days and to-day she will be permitted to write to her protector oh i will undertake to do that sir or rather i shall have the pleasure of taking her to those who believing her dead regret her so bitterly i can understand those regrets madame for it is impossible to see fleur de marie without being charmed with her grace and sweetness the woman who saved her and has since watched her night and day as she would an infant is a courageous and devoted person but of a disposition so excitable that she has been called la louve i know la louve said the marquise smiling as she thought of the pleasure she had in store for the prince what would have been her ecstasy had she known she was the daughter he believed dead that she was about to restore to rodolph then addressing the nun who had given some spoonfuls of a draught to mademoiselle de fermont she said well sister is she recovering not yet madame she is so weak poor young thing one can scarcely feel her pulse beat i will wait then until she is sufficiently restored to be put into my carriage but tell me sister amongst these unfortunate patients do you know any who particularly deserve interest and pity and to whom i could be useful before i leave the hospital oh madame heaven has sent you here said the sister there and she pointed to the bed of pigvinegle's sister is a poor woman much to be pitied and very bad she only came in when quite exhausted and is past all comfort because she has been obliged to abandon her two small children who have no other support in the world she said just now to the doctor that she must go out cured or not in a week because her neighbours had promised to take care of her children for that time only and no longer take me to her bed i beg of you sister said madame d'harville rising and following the nun jeanne duport who had scarcely recovered from the violent shock which the investigations of dr griffon had caused her had not remarked the entrance of madame d'harville what then was her astonishment when the marquise lifting up the curtains of her bed and looking at her with great pity and kindness said my good woman do not be uneasy about your children i will take care of them so only think of getting well 
that you may go to them poor jeanne thought she was in a dream she could only clasp her hands in speechless gratitude and gaze on her unknown benefactress once again assure yourself my worthy woman and have no uneasiness said the marquise pressing in her small and delicate white hands the burning hand of jeanne duport and if you prefer it you shall leave the hospital this very day and be nursed at home everything shall be done for you so that you need not leave your children and if your lodging is unhealthy or too small you shall have one found that is more convenient and suitable so that you may be in one room and your children in another you shall have a good nurse who will watch them whilst she attends to you and when you entirely recover if you are out of work i will take care that you are provided for until work comes and i will also take care of your children for the future ah oh, what do i hear said jeanne duport all trembling and hardly daring to look her benefactress in the face why are so many kindnesses showered on me it is not possible i leave the hospital where i have wept and suffered so much and not leave my children again have a nurse why it is a miracle it is no miracle my good woman said clemence much affected what i do for you she added blushing slightly at the remembrance of rodolph is inspired by a generous spirit who has taught me to sympathize with misfortune and it is he whom you should thank ah madame i shall ever bless you said jeanne weeping well then you see jeanne said lorraine much affected there are also amongst the rich rigolettes and goualeuses with good hearts madame d'harville turned with much surprise towards lorraine when she heard her mention the two names do you know la goualeuse and a young workwoman called rigolette she inquired of lorraine yes madame la goualeuse good little angel did for me last year according to her small means what you are going to do for jeanne yes madame and it does me good to say and repeat it to everybody la goualeuse took me from a cellar in which i had been brought to bed on the straw and dear good girl placed me and my child in a room where there was a good bed and a cradle la goualeuse spent the money from pure charity for she scarcely knew me and was poor herself but how good it was was it not madame said lorraine yes yes charity from the poor to the poor is great and holy said clemence with her eyes moistened by soft tears it was the same with mademoiselle rigolette who according to her little means as a sempstress said lorraine some days ago offered her kind services to jeanne how singular said clemence to herself more and more affected for each of these two names goualeuse and rigolette reminded her of a noble action of rodolphe and you my child what can i do for you she said to lorraine i could wish that the names you pronounce with so much gratitude should also bring you good fortune thank you madame said lorraine with a smile of bitter resignation i had a child it is dead i am in a decline and past all hope what a gloomy idea at your age there is always hope oh no madame i saw a consumptive patient die last night yet as you are so good a great lady like you must be able to do anything tell me what do you wish since i have seen the actress who is dead so distressed at the idea of being cut in pieces after her death i have the same fear jeanne had promised to claim my body and have me buried ah oh, this is horrible said clemence shuddering be tranquil although i hope the time is far distant yet 
when it comes be assured that your body shall rest in holy ground oh thank you thank you madame exclaimed lorraine might i beg to kiss your hand clemence presented her hand to the parched lips of lorraine half an hour afterwards madame d'harville who had been painfully affected by lorraine's condition accompanied by m de saint-remy took with her the young orphan from whom she concealed her mother's death the same day madame d'harville's man of business after having obtained favourable particulars respecting jeanne duport's character hired for her some large and airy rooms and the same evening she was conveyed to her new residence where she found her children and a nurse the same individual was instructed to claim and inter the body of lorraine when she died after having conveyed mademoiselle de fermont to her own house madame d'harville started for asnières with m de saint-remy in order to go to fleur-de-marie and take her to rodolphe End of chapter four read by celine major